Welcome to Behind the Mic Podcast. This is one, in fact, this is the first of many special segments that we're going to be doing called Hope Revealed, where we occasionally revisit the podcast's previous format by inviting guests to share their stories. Today, I've invited longtime friends, Jason and Melody Litzaw. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hi. Hey, How can we be here? We're doing great. Glad to have you guys on. I, I, we've, we spoke a little bit before this, and I'm so incredibly honored uh, to have you guys on our first Hope Revealed segment. And, you know, we met up back in probably 2010, 2012 area. Yeah. Um, you guys had just adopted. We'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. And, and I follow you, of course, on, on social media. We followed one another for years and have watched your story kind of emerge there. Um, but recently, you guys have shared your story in written form so that I could kind of catch up. I think this is going to be a, a story. Your testimonies are going to be encouraging. Um, mm. And I'm going to say that up front because once we start getting into this, it's not going to seem so encouraging to most people. <laughs> but you guys have made it clear to me in the 15 minutes we've been talking that you have hope. In all of this, you have hope. And so... Um, Guys, thank you so much for joining me. I would love to just start off by introducing who you are, and um, let's get into your story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm Jason Melody, uh, we've been married for twenty, almost twenty-four years. Next month yeah. will be twenty-four wow. years of marriage. Uh, we have three kids, so we have one that is on his way uh, to graduating from Biola University this year uh, in the spring. And then we have our, our second, Jonah, who is a senior in high school, so he's going to be graduating this year as well. And then we have our daughter, Hannah, who we adopted from, from China back in 2010, and she's a freshman in high school. And it just uh, it blows me away how fast time goes uh, to think about <laughs> her being a little baby when we got her, and now, uh, and now she's uh, heading into high school. So that's, uh, that's our I remember family. that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we've been here in Southern California our whole lives. As Melody said, we, I've I've lived here in Southern California. She's lived in Southern California, so we, we've we kind of we've grown up in this little hub here in uh, in California. Well, I'm in Ohio, and it's uh, 40 degrees here. Oh man! And I would love, I would <laughs> love to be in Southern California right now. Just yeah, for the record. It. It's, so. a, it's an icy 66 here right now. So. <laughs> oh, that's that's cold. <laughs> Maybe for us. not. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. yeah. I was in San Diego. Um, I think it was in like August um, for uh, Turning Point USA conference, faith conference, mm-hmm. and it was so beautiful just to walk outside at ten o'clock at night, and it was just, it was just comfortable. So yeah, we yeah, do have some of the best weather. That's for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's jump into your story. You actually have at least three stories in one here yeah and um, so let's start off with uh, I guess would it be your your adoption story you had yeah. two boys correct we did yes and yeah let, let's so let's jump into you, you've got your boys and so what's going on in the Litzoff family at that yeah. point yeah so we had our we had our two boys um, we were loving life with our two boys and, and loving life as a, as a married couple. And, and, uh, but we always wanted to add a third child to our family. And we really wanted to add a girl. So we had the two boys and we really wanted to add a girl to our family. And so 
probably a couple of years after we had our second, uh, we got pregnant with uh, with our uh, with our third, and we were excited. We you know we've been through the process. You know, as you're a parent of the th- of a third child, you know you you've been through the process before. So we just we quickly scheduled that appointment with the OBGYN and excited to kind of go to that first appointment. We knew that was where you typically hear the heartbeat. So we were um, we were looking forward to um, to to that appointment. Um, but when we went to that appointment, pretty quickly the it went in a much different direction. So the doctor, as he was trying to search for the heartbeat, was really struggling to find the heartbeat. And after uh, a number of tries in a, in, a, in a good period of time, I, I remember this really distinctly. The doctor kind of stopped and he just looked at us in a very matter-of-fact way and just said, "You've you've had a miscarriage. And it was kind of this surreal kind of just gut gut punch um to us it kind of ended the appointment we we were we were shocked um we didn't we really didn't we were not expecting that news um and so i remember we walked out we they you walk as you walk out to the car you're walking past all of the pregnant um, women Mm -hmm. that are in the in the hospital which just kind of fortifies that that grief and loss that I know a lot of people have gone through. Um, so we, we experienced that miscarriage for whatever reason. I remember it was a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we went home. So we spent the whole weekend. It's just kind of this kind of just grieving together. Um, as we, as we just thought about this, this loss. And I remember we woke up on Sunday morning and there was kind of this realization for us of like, Oh man, we're, are we going to go to church? We, we, we've told people that we're, we're pregnant and now we're going to have to, share all this news with them we just weren't ready to share and i remember we just we kind of looked at each other and, and, and the lord for whatever reason in that moment just like just kind of impressed upon me uh that that in these moments is when we need to be with the body of christ yeah. it's, it's really when we need to be with our church family and so we we pulled ourselves out of bed that morning it was hard we're not looking forward to it and uh, and we and we we made it made our way to church. We don't normally sit in the back, but I remember we just said we're just going to sit in the back today. Mm-hmm. And unbeknownst to us, uh, our church was launching an adoption ministry on that Sunday. And so, the passage—I don't know—I'm I'm sure you may have had this experience where you you hear a sermon and immediately you just feel like that sermon is speaking to you, or you hear a phrase in that sermon that just grabs you. And so I remember distinctly that that sermon, as they preached on adoption, they actually preached out of Romans 12, 1 through 2, where it says, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And there was a phrase in that sermon that really kind of just really grabbed me. And our pastor had just shared that God doesn't always call us to comfortable things. Um, And, you know. um, Because we use that phrase sometimes. Um, And then that against each other, but when the other one is feeling insecure or having a uncomfortable time um we've kind of used that back and forth to encourage one another yeah yeah and so that 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 phrase really just kind of grabbed me and i just i in that moment i i went from grieving this loss which we were still grieving to 
this overwhelming sense that we were to move forward and adopt. Uh, it's not something that my wife and I had ever talked about. Uh, we, we loved the idea of adoption, uh, so we, you know, we, we loved that, but it just wasn't a part of our plan. We had never talked about it in a way that uh, we, were, we were thinking about adding children to our family through adoption. So as we were, as we were heading home, I had no idea how my wife was gonna feel. Uh, so I remember we, we got home, was kind of thinking this is rolling in my head, how am I gonna bring this up? And as we're sitting there, my wife turns to me and says, so are you ready to go get our daughter? And it kind of kind of shocked me a little bit because we just, just had been a conversation. And I think I surprised her back because I immediately said, yeah, let's let's do it. Let's let's go get our let's go get our daughter. I'm ready to, to move forward. And so from that conversation to the time that we submitted our application, our initial application to uh, America World, to adopt was one week. So we made one of the, I think at that point, it had to have been one of the largest decisions that we had, had made as a married couple, and we made that decision mm-hmm. in a matter of a week. Um, Which was definitely in the hand of the Lord, because Jason's not typically a risk taker. He's very analytical. You know, we have spreadsheets going on. He evaluates pros and cons, and I'm more of the emotional, like, impulsive person. So this was really... Out of character and really in the hand of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And God spoke to you both, even though you, you look at things so differently, he was speaking to you both in yes. a way that you needed to hear that day because you right. you knew, both knew. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, God met us in different ways through our different personalities, but God still met us. Yeah. And, and even thinking about that in marriage and just the, 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 the gratefulness that God unified us, you know, in that, in that time was we were just so thankful that God... God brought us to it in a different way, but 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 unified in that decision pretty quickly to, to yeah. move forward. So, and we once we had decided to move forward with adoption, China had always been on our hearts. So we had some friends that had worked in China. That was just was just a country that was on our on our hearts. So it just made sense that the Lord would kind of lead us in that direction. But once we had decided to move forward, um, we submit our application, and we find out pretty quickly at that time, this was, this was a number of years ago, that it was over five years to adopt a healthy child. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that was kind of a, a check. And so we, I think my wife had talked to the, our adoption agency, and they had said, well, if you, if you consider a child with a minor uh, special need, then that time frame gets, gets sped up quite a bit. And so... I think we had talked about it a little bit, and she kind of convinced me to say, "Well, we, we, uh, there's, there's, I've, I've heard of people, kids being adopted with, uh, with minor heart conditions, and sometimes they just, you know, they just kind of heal themselves up when they get here. They're really minor, and, and so we, I said, yeah, let's, let's go ahead, and we can, let's, let's move forward, and we'll do a special needs adoption. So, well, they had this list of all kinds of different special needs, and I remember just reading over this list, weeping, thinking. How do you decide what you're willing to accept? And my heart kept getting drawn back to heart conditions. I had a pacemaker at that time, so I had a little bit of knowledge about the heart. And, you know, I've been reading blogs and people that had adopted and kind of researching and had come across lots of minor things like children having holes in the heart and end up repairing themselves on their own and so yeah I mean to talk to you about that and you said 
Okay, if you feel comfortable and you find that's where that's leaning, then I'm good with that. Yeah. So then what ended up happening and what she's what she stopped short of sharing <laughs> is what, what ended up happening, she gets the paperwork that she was sharing and it had all of the different special needs that you could possibly, you know, consider. And so I go off to work for the day, she gets the paperwork and it just has a box under heart condition that says minor and major heart condition. And so before I get home, she checkmarked both minor and major heart condition and then quickly sent it off to our adoption agency. <laughs> and this is one of the... Jason will be okay with this. Yes. <laughs> I kind of held my breath, said a prayer, and remembered the phrase from that sermon, God doesn't always call it to comfortable things. And that's kind of when I sent back to him to help him move forward and uh, just trust in the Lord and this. And really, we look back and we think, this was only in the hand of the Lord. Like, I think we naively check one of the box, not even knowing what that meant for our life, um, but really felt like this is what the Lord was asking us to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so... Is amazing to think back because I, I often have reflected on this. You know, six months before that, if the Lord had come to us and said, Would you be willing to adopt a uh, special needs child from China with a severe heart condition? I, I don't know that I would have been, and yeah. I don't think I would have said yes. I, I think that would have been hard at that point. But here, through a pregnancy and the loss of a pregnancy, and then ultimately, God moves us slowly in this process, in spite of ourselves, moves us in this process to say, yeah, we're willing to consider adoption, then we're willing to consider a child with a minor condition, and now all of a sudden uh, moves us to this place where we're now uh, faithfully moving forward on, in faith to consider a child that might have a, a, a pretty significant life-threatening heart condition. Yeah. So you are, you're in China, what are you thinking? Did you have second thoughts about this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so I, I'll, I'll back up. So we, we met our daughter, <laughs> and I, I remember that experience. It's, it's a, we, we met her. We got her. We get back to the hotel, and, and that's when it hits me. So we, we get our daughter, and she's, she's blue. Her fingernails are blue. Mm. Her tongue is blue. Her lips are blue. Her nose is blue. She's hard, having, a, having a hard time breathing. I think she weighed 12 pounds, 10 or 12 pounds at 18 months old. And when everything went quiet uh, and the the three of us were left in our room, that's when I went, oh my goodness, Lord, what what did we do? I started to realize the enormity of the situation. Mm -hmm. Never never a moment did I think, oh Lord, I I can't do this. I don't want to move forward with this. It was just, uh, it was the final realization where we said, wow, this is, how did we get from pregnant with our third, and now we're here in China and we're adopting this beautiful girl uh, with this with this heart condition. Uh, but the Lord, it was pretty amazing the way the Lord met us while we were in China. So he even provided a, a missionary, uh, some, some nurses that were there in China that actually met with us. and kind of helped talk us through and and looked over Hannah. So the Lord met us in some pretty amazing ways, even when we were were still in China before we even made it home. Yeah, and even before then, when we had her file, we 
You know, we're unclear. You don't get a lot of information. We knew that she had a severe heart condition, but we didn't know what all that entailed. And we had a connection with a pediatric cardiologist who happened to be Chinese and spoke Mandarin, who actually would go to China frequently to help do surgeries. And um, he was pretty frank with us and said, you know, I don't know if she'll make it home from China. And we said, well, she needs a mom and dad and somebody needs to add a came for her. And he was very, he played a significant role in, in uh, walking us through our whole time in China. Um, when we got home from China, we needed to go straight to the hospital. He was there preparing to see her. Um, so the Lord, Lord's hand was definitely on this story every step of the way. And I'll let you continue the story of when we brought her home. Yeah. Yeah, so we, I mean, we checked her in the hospital right away. And pretty immediately they were, they were doing the tests. And, and, and um, so she was there for a couple of days. At this point, we're, we're pretty jet-lagged. We're pretty tired. Uh, we hadn't been home uh, my wife was the one in those first couple of days that had spent the night in the hospital, so she hadn't even really spent a night in her bed for, it was probably three weeks. And so I remember I, I kind of, uh, one night I said, it's time for you to go home. I'm going to, I'm going to take the duty. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to spend the night with our daughter tonight. You need to go sleep in your own bed. And that night I, I remember our, our nurse walked in and um, we were just kind of chatting kind of late, late in the night. And she just kind of looked over at our daughter and, and it, our, our daughter, her oxygen levels, and the reason that her, her skin was blue was because her oxygen levels were fluctuating in the 50% range. I mean, you and I, normally we should be in the high 90s, 100%, and she was fluctuating in the, in the 50% range. And the nurse had looked over, and at one point, my daughter's oxygen levels had dropped into the 20s, and she was starting to become less responsive. And I saw a little bit of concern on the nurse's face. And I remember the nurse called the doctor in. The doctor looked very concerned. And I'm not even sure what happened. I, within seconds, uh, all of a sudden, our room filled up with probably uh, with all these nurses and medical staff. And they began to work on my daughter. I remember, they kind of pushed me aside and said, you can stand over here. And I just remember kind of standing at the edge of the room just watching this this scene and so for two hours they worked on hannah uh i i remember i don't i don't know if you've if you've ever seen medical staff um in an urgent situation like that but it's a pretty amazing thing to watch their skill and training and work as they were working to save save my daughter's life um and um yeah one one of the nurses it was it was amazing her yeah her, like my wife said her sole job was to simply walk around next to the doctor and to capture the medical the medication doses that the doctor was giving and he had, and she had to be able to recite it on a moment's notice because uh, they were giving her so much medication they had to track everything that they were giving her and they couldn't put it into the computer they just had to track it on a on a clipboard um, so at that point that that had been going on for about two hours and once that that scene, that, that kind of chaos had kind of settled down. I just, all of a sudden the realization of like, I, I, I got her, I better call my wife. I <laughs> tell her what's going on. And so I stepped out and I called Melody and I said, you need to get here right away. It's, it's not, it's just not, it doesn't look good. 
And so my wife arrived pretty soon after that. And when she walked in the room, the first thing the doctor told us was, um, it doesn't look like she's gonna make it. You need to prepare yourself that she's probably not gonna survive. She, she can stay like she is in this, in this condition for about, uh, you know, probably for the next you know, few hours, but uh, likely she's not gonna survive. I just kept saying it over and over again. I just remember thinking, okay, I can't stop. Um, yeah, it was very heartbreaking to see her eyes shut and just hooked up to everything and so many people and voices in there. At one point, I just said, I need everybody out. Everybody out except for Dr. Chang that amazing doctor that I told you about that helped us along the way. Um, and they explained to us that she, they can try and go into surgery, but that she had about a 30% chance of survival. And if they did operate, she would most likely come out with a lot of brain damage and not be able to lead a normal life. Or we had the option to just keep her comfortable and she would most likely pass overnight. So I just told him, I said, you need to go in there, you know how far we've come. You need to go in there and do everything you can to save this little girl's life. And he said, okay, and everybody kind of hustled and bustled out of there, and within a matter of seconds, they were willing her away for surgery. Yeah, I, when, when she left, I mean, I, you know, this, I know a lot of people have probably a lot more faith than I do in, in a moment like that. I, I, at that moment, I was pretty certain that was the last time I was going to see my daughter. I, I really didn't walk out of that room thinking like, oh, she's going she's gonna to make it through. I, I was, um, man, I was in a low, a low point just thinking, Lord, you, you, you brought us through this whole process of, of losing our first through miscarriage and now leading us to adopt and go all the way to China to come all the way home to now, to now see our daughter um, likely not to survive. It just, I just remember pleading with the Lord, like, Lord, what are you, what are you doing? Um, but I, I, I do remember very clearly, um, if you've ever wheeled a child back into surgery, you, you, you remember that moment um, as, they, as they wheel them back. And I just I remember thinking that's, that's the last time we're gonna see our daughter. And we, from that, we, we went out to the waiting room and that was a long five hours. I think it was about five hours that we waited and finally, um, the doctors kind of emerge. We kind of look across the waiting room. It's a big waiting room, and you see these two doctors coming. It's kind of like out of a movie or a TV show where they're just, they just kind of have these stone cold faces as they're kind of walking across. You're trying to read them. And the doctors come up, and as soon as they get to us, the doctor says, we just don't know what happened. We can't explain it. Um, he, he said, it's like her pulmonary arteries uh, grew overnight. It's not what we saw on the tests and she's doing amazing. The surgery was incredibly successful. All of her blue skin and blue nails are now this beautiful, uh, normal pink color. Her oxygen levels are, are uh, close to normal. And they were amazed. Uh, it was a, an incredible testimony um, for us to be able to say, well, no, we, we know why her pulmonary arteries grew overnight. Yeah. Um, so just an amazing to, to see God heal in such a clear in such a clear way uh, was just such an amazing testimony of God. 
but we also look forward in her life. I mean, God, God healed her in that moment, but you know, she still lives with a significant heart condition. Uh, we know that as she gets older, um, unless the Lord intervenes in some way again, she's, she's looking at some more significant surgeries and treatments and possibly even um, uh, potentially a, a transplant maybe at some point in her, in her life. And so uh, we, we know that that's, that's still, we're still out there, but um, God has been gracious to her. She's mm -hmm. thriving. It's hard to even, you, actually, if you saw her, you wouldn't even really even know that she had a heart condition. So it's, it's just amazing to see the way the Lord has brought her through. And remember in the hospital, they told us to prepare for a two-week visit and that they would still need to do some cognitive testing. And we were discharged in five days and there was no need for any cognitive testing. And in fact, she's, and my three kids, she's our straight-A student and thriving and you would never even know that she had gone such a significant amount of time with the lack of oxygen. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty incredible. God answers prayer. And you guys saw that firsthand over and over again through that yeah. ordeal. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Wow. That's Hannah's story. And, uh, and God continues <laughs> to tell her story through her yes absolutely and uh but we're not done next mm -hmm. on my list here is <laughs> melody's story yeah that's just like a, we'll just check box it here um yeah 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 it was it was pretty soon after uh that that situation had happened we had brought our daughter back and we had gone through that with our with hannah um i, I remember there was my wife would just begin to call me periodically every once in a while and she would just tell me that she had fallen. She'd been out shopping or she'd been somewhere and she goes, I don't know what happened. I'm just, I'm clumsy and I, and I just fell. And those calls became more frequent um, as time went by. And at the same time, she had also um, kind of experienced some weight loss. And so just some kind of symptoms we didn't really know what was, what was going on. We, we actually went to some doctors. Initially, a lot of those doctors had kind of just dismissed some of it and, yeah. and said that, you know, she needed to eat more or um, she just wasn't getting enough calories. And so that's why she was losing weight. But we really didn't, it didn't really seem to fit with what was going on. But I remember it was, it was actually one of my doctor's appointments. I, I think I just go into the doctor for, for some reason, just a, a general physical. And for whatever reason, Melody went with me. And in, as we were walking into the room, my doctor just looks at Melody and says, hey, if you'd be willing, would you just walk down this hallway for me? So I think he just noticed her weight and how thin she was. He said, would you just walk down this hallway for me? Well, I encourage you to join us again next week to hear the continuation of Jason and Melody's story and also their son, Noah. Come back, join us, and listen to this encouraging story of hope.